Last week, we went through a highlight of the prophecies, what some people call the covenant of the forefathers in the tree of life version of the scriptures. Gentile or non-Jewish Christians call it the Old Testament. I assert these prophecies point to the fact that Yeshua HaMashiach, or in the Greek, Jesus the Christ, is the promised Jewish Messiah that was largely rejected by the Jewish people at the time Jesus walked the earth and most of the time since then. As a result, the Lord gave the new covenant to the Gentiles. This was already alluded to in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 21, which states, They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols, so I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. The New Testament rendering states, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? By no means, rather through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous in Romans chapter 11, verse 11. Further New Testament clarification states, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. The mystery in verse 26 is the Greek word mysterion, which means hidden thing, secret, or mystery. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 states, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but to the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Basically, the Lord is revealing that he doesn't tell us everything. The secret thing the Lord did not reveal in this case in the Old Testament is that God would give the new covenant he promised to Israel and the Jewish people to the Gentiles. The Jewish people would then remain in diaspora in fulfillment of the nation forsaking God as promised in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 15 through 68. Pause the screen to read the screenshot highlighted and you'll see this has been an accurate depiction of the last two millennia for the Jewish people. But why? Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, that God would send the nation a prophet like him from amongst the brethren of the nation. If you watched the video last week, I assert this was Yeshua HaMashiach, who the Jewish people rejected as Messiah. They even had a countdown for when Messiah would arrive. I've included an excerpt of this book, The Coming Prince, written by Sir Robert Anderson in the video. Pause the screen to look at that excerpt. I would ask that you pause the screen again to see the explanation in a basic diagram. This is why Jesus rebuked them for not understanding the signs of the times. Pause the screen again to read the excerpt from Matthew chapter 16, verses 1-4. through 4. But ultimately, what does all this mean? Basically, the Jewish people that currently live in Israel in fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11, and chapter 66, verse 8, are looking for a political figure who will restore the prior glories of Israel. In Ben Shapiro's Sunday special on May 12, 2019, Shapiro gives us a working definition what the Jewish people are currently looking for in Messiah. This echoes what other modern Jewish sources also state. According to Judaism 101 or Jewfacts.org, they basically state the same thing Shapiro does. They state he will be a great political leader who will be charismatic and who will also be a great military leader who will win great battles for Israel. Please pause the screen to see the screenshot of their explanation. A basic Google search will yield a variety of sources that say fundamentally the same thing. I use the phrase, what Messiah will be like, rabbis, 
to get the results you see in the screenshot. If you're a prophecy-minded believer in Yeshua, or as we Gentiles say, Jesus, alarm bells should be going off. The prophecy Sir Robert Anderson analyzed in The Coming Prince was Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. I have asserted already that Jesus was the Messiah foretold in the Old Testament. If I'm correct, what would that mean for any Messiah that would come along to fit the expectations so many Orthodox Jews are looking for? In verses 26 through 27 of said prophecy, we're told the prince of the people who is to come will make a firm or strong covenant with many for one week. Now, as I've explained in other videos, a week in context of the Old Testament scripture is seven years. See also Leviticus chapter 25, verse 8. Please pause the screen to read the screenshot of that verse. For expediency's sake, I believe the prince in verse 26 is speaking of is the one who comes in place of Christ or Messiah. He makes a strong covenant with many for seven years. What does this sound like? I would postulate it means a peace treaty of some kind. Who tends to broker those kinds of agreements in the modern day? I would argue it's politicians, possibly a military leader or some combination thereof. What have I already shown the modern Jewish people are looking for in Messiah? Politician who's charismatic and a military leader who wins battles for Israel. Now let's fast forward several hundred years to the time that Yeshua or Jesus walked the earth. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was asked by his disciples what would be the sign of the end of the age and of his coming. He goes through a number of things, but about a quarter of the way through what theologians call the Olivet Discourse, Jesus makes a reference to Daniel's prophecy stated in this video. He says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 16. Jesus is referring to the latter half of Daniel 9, verse 27, which states, And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. But what is this abomination of desolation spoken of by Jesus that the Jewish people are supposed to run from? Because you'll notice in verse 16 of Matthew 24, he tells those in Judea flee to the mountains. That would be in the only remaining part left of Israel at the time of Jesus, that is the kingdom of Judah. So Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people in the Olivet Discourse, not the mostly Gentile church we see today. But back to what this abomination was supposed to be. We'll have to fast forward even more since Jesus didn't elaborate what it would be in the Olivet Discourse. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians who are undergoing severe persecution because of their faith in Jesus. At this point, false teachers came in and told him that the day of the Lord had already begun. I'd invite you to check out the video series on this channel called The End is Near if you're unsure of what the day of the Lord is. In short, however, it is the last remaining week of years from Daniel 9 verse 24, whereby the coming prince already spoken of makes the strong covenant with many. This is a time of God's wrath on the earth for people's sins and the purification of Israel to finally bring them into the new covenant. To make the point, Paul tells the Thessalonians in verse 4 of that chapter that the man of sin who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. 
Jesus was telling his disciples that when the man of sin who comes in Jesus's place to oppose him shall take the seat in the Holy of Holies of the Jewish temple and proclaim himself to be God. When the Jewish people see that, they're told to run to the mountains. However, before Jesus talked about any of this, he prophesied the temple would be completely destroyed in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 2. We also know that in 70 AD, General Titus of the Roman army laid siege to Jerusalem, completely destroying it in the temple. Since the abomination never happened from the time Jesus prophesied to the temple's destruction, what does that mean? Do you know the Jewish people in modern-day Israel are wanting to rebuild the temple? There is an Orthodox Jewish Institute called the Temple Institute in Jerusalem, which has all the implements for the third Jewish temple now already made. There's even several red heifers they've flown there from Texas in the United States that they're hoping will not develop a blemish for priest purification. The Sanhedrin is also already in place. Pause the screen for a screenshot of their homepage with a statement highlighted. They're not believers in Yeshua, and await for the coming of the modern Messiah as I've already outlined. Please pause the screen for another screenshot of one of their statements of principles. Daniel gave the prophecy of what's to come. Jesus expounded on Daniel's prophecy in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Then Paul gave us further insight what this would look like in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we see an Orthodox Jewish institute trying to make this a reality unbeknownst to them. Likely the coming peace treaty to be brokered by the quote-unquote Messiah they're waiting for will give them permission to finally build it. If you're a Jewish person listening to this and watching this video and you do not believe Messiah has arrived yet, I would challenge you to watch the video on this channel called Israel the Messiah released last week. In that video, I highlight prophecies from the Hebrew scriptures showing that Messiah has indeed already arrived. You can believe now and be rescued from this wrath to come. Zechariah has already told us in chapter 13, verse 8, that only a third of Israel left alive at the time of the abomination will survive. What many call Daniel's 70th week will be worse than all the horror movies in all the world ever made combined. It will be an unparalleled horror that cannot even be described. It will be the wrath of God. But how do you believe and escape the wrath to come? See also 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. I'll detail that in the next segment coming up. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that he is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and heart and everything through a process, if you will, to embody what has already taken place in your heart. By simply praying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. 
Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. And your life will change. Your life will change not so much materially, not so much in terms of the world, but your life will change in your standing before God in that you may know that you can have eternal life. The Apostle John wrote that when he was pinning 1 John. He said, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but so that you can know. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast.